Hello, this is Jared Silliker, and you're listening to Building Better, a podcast dedicated to sustainability issues in the built environment. On today's show, I chat with Jason Lear, owner of Batten Lear, a design build shop in Seattle. Jason's team is hyper-focused on high-performance new construction and remodel projects, mostly in the residential sector. And we've got some fun banter about density to discuss. Density is one of those powerful drivers that can amplify and enable a variety of positive outcomes. For the purpose of this podcast, we're most interested in the efficiency gains that lead to energy and water savings, along with reduced carbon impacts from transportation. But other things often come along for the ride, namely economic vitality and enjoyable human experiences. Jason interacts with a wide variety of homeowners and has built up years of intel on how people think about density. So with that, please enjoy episode seven of Building Better. Welcome to Building Better. Uh, This is the first show of 2021, and we have Jason Lear on the show today. Uh, Jason, how is your year going, and how is it already February, I guess? (laughs) And what's a year anymore? (laughs) What is is time? Yeah, here we are at... Gosh, almost a year into living through a pandemic, and I am standing in my home where I work uh, these days, looking out over my beautiful city, city of Seattle, and I feel good about um, I feel good about life. I feel good about a lot of what is going on in our world, and uh, how did we get here so fast? But it seems like an eternity, doesn't it? <laughs> It does. It does. Um, and uh, let's see. We, you know, we want to explore density today, among other interrelated topics. You know, I think this is this is an exciting one for both of us. But it is certainly one of those like really uh, intertwined. You know, it means something different to everybody. And and we we've kind of outlined a. a a lot of you know intersecting topics. We want to explore those. Of course, climate progress, sustainability impacts are are at the at the top of our list. But we're also like, I think, you know, you know, in a wor- in our sustainability world, you know, I find there's so often this this deep dive, this zoom into you know product specifications and detailed strategies how are we going to pull this off um and that's all important uh, but i think also this this gives us an opportunity to zoom out of it and think about big big issues of city making and density and and human experience like what what is it like to live in our city um, our place so uh yeah how, how does all of that um show up for you with your with your projects with your clients relationships well yeah i mean you and i uh have been talking about this leading up to this podcast and uh gosh i want to talk about it every day these days it <laughs> it is a conversation that we maybe don't have enough i i think about how our individual actions as homeowners, as developers, as builders, as planners, participants in a city are really what make a city. 
right? So I think mm-hmm. it's important yeah. to have a conversation with your neighbors, the people you work with, et cetera, about how that one building you're working on uh, affects the city around it, but makes the city around it. You know, uh, I'll give credit to Bill Reed, great uh, teacher and leader in the integrative design world who said, "Sure, you know, we got to remember that we are not separate from nature, right? We humans and what we are up to. And I think what we make is in fact part of nature. And if, if these things we do every day, and you know, I design and build buildings for a living. I change buildings. I outfit uh, spaces inside of buildings. I feel like all of that work is part of making a city and we can make it great. We can make it okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can we can even ruin it in the process. But then there's this big context that we're playing in that is how do all those actions and the making of this city of Seattle or the cities in our Northwest region of the United States, how do those affect the whole world? And they do, right? Mm-hmm. I find over and over that I'm in conversation with very progressive thinkers, people who are thinking about politics and equality, equity, uh, social equity, uh, thoughtful ways of being in the world, what car they drive, how little they get in the <laughs> car, etc. And we get to the topic of density or those new townhomes that are being built around the corner or the new height limits allowed in certain parts of the city. And, and somehow those things are bad. And I think like, mm. how is it that um, my progressive thinking friend or neighbor or co, you know, somebody out in the in the green building world, uh, a peer of mine, can think I'm doing all these things because I'm making a better world, and at the same time think that it's bad that density is being created around them. It mm-hmm. is a conversation we need to have because we can't a we can't be that binary about things like it's either good or it's bad. Let's talk about what is good. Well, let's talk about what mm-hmm. is not good about it. Um, but I, I focus a lot, I think a lot about how these individual actions, these individual choices we make, and I, I don't mean just Jason, but my, my clients, the, the city planners around me and everything in between makes what this city is. Why do we love medieval cities? You know, we go to, <laughs> we go to, uh, uh, cities in Europe and we just adore them. You know, Rome, we can't stop talking about the pictures we took and how we want our homes to look more like that and our cities to feel more like that. Those cities were not made with big master plans. They weren't built around cars also, Uh, but they were made, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of years ago uh, around individual actions. They are an accretion of individual actions. And those choices were being made in some kind of context. What's our context now? Our context now yeah. is is a climate that is changing rapidly, a growing population migrating to cities, and that is all reality. So we got to talk about, you know, how the choice to build an additional building in, on your block matters. The choice to increase height or increase the number of people who can live in a given property, how that matters. The American dream has been cast as this single family home sitting in the middle of a lawn back from the mm-hmm. sidewalk 
Right. And Seattle, frankly, you know, and we, we, we talk about other cities too, but Seattle's where I live. It's where you live. This is a place with so many gorgeous little single family neighborhoods, single, gorgeous single family homes set up on the front lawn. That American dream is still very real to a lot of people. Unfortunately, we can't keep building those across the land. I think we've agreed as a society we can't do it. And we can't actually even do it on a block scale because it isn't sustainable. Right. So let's maybe let's talk about some of the the whys here of like why that is, I agree, uh, true. You know, we, we can't just have these sprawling cities that, you know, keep going and going and going. You know, we, we want to use our, or we have precious land resources where our populations are growing and we, we, there's a push towards urban centers, which is great. Uh, but we, you know, we, we now need to fit more people in smaller pieces of land. And so we've got, um, we certainly have resources in various ways, land. Um, we obviously talk a lot about energy and water. You know, how do we, how can we reduce that, you know, per capita usage, um, which, in general, when we say density, where we are fitting more people in smaller areas, uh, so that helps. Um, and and then, of course, we talk a lot about transportation. As we as we you know develop in tighter spaces, we we get some great efficiencies. We we can commute less by being near near public transit or just near our work, school, um, places of, of business. And then, you know, I think one that maybe gets missed a lot too, is, you know, this, this like potential delight of, you know, being in a great city, um, having pleasant experiences of walking around and, you know, your, your example is great. It's like, that's, that's what, at least, that's what I'm after. And I think a lot of people are after, um, you know, it, it, they, they might have different images in their head, but, but that, you know, I think when we want to create a better city, those are a lot of the things we're after. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, so density can, can often, I think, be that, that like critical glue that, that brings a bunch of these things together. And it's like, okay, what's that, what's that mean to different people? And, so I don't know. Are there other things you would like tack on to that, like you know, glue of density? Yeah, I mean, it's it's such an abstract concept, right? For you yes, know, if, yes. If you said to your your peer, yeah, what we need is more density because it's the glue to 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 do it. <laughs> it makes delight happen. It glues climate progress or climate solutions and and delight in your average day together. I think it might. It's still hard for even me, right, in this conversation to like, well, but how does it do that? Um, I think that we almost have to draw a picture or paint a picture of what life would be like as, and, and frankly, you know, living here through a pandemic still in February of 2021, it seems very topical. It's top of mind for me. How do we live? Um, how are we going to choose to work? How are we going to choose to mix our living and our working? 
And what kind of place do we want to be in when we're doing that? Um, walkability has become part and parcel to making a choice around what house you're going to buy, right? Mm-hmm. That house could be a condo. It could be a stacked, a, a stacked flat. It could be a townhome. It could be a single family home. Um, but it's great that through real estate tools that have been created around this part of the world, that you, you actually can get a walk score, a number. How good is this location for walkability? Amazing. Still a little bit abstract, right? Because, well, what do I walk for anyway? Well, if I've been living in a place where all I can really get on foot is an espresso, not, nothing wrong with that, that's great, right? An espresso, <laughs> a dog walk, I'll take a, one. a trip to the park, or a lunch counter, right? If those are the only things I can get, I'm not yet living in the context or this picture that I'm imagining when I say delightful city, right? If, if delightful city is actually, I walk outside and I turn left to get my loaf of bread. I say hello to the person who sells me that loaf of bread, or maybe I make bread and I walk a couple blocks down farther and I can get the, the right, that flower that I really like. And on the way I am seeing uh, the other uh, the place I like to get my espresso and the the place I like to buy a book, et cetera, right? Like these experiences don't have to be confine, confined to uh, Arthur Avenue in New York City and Capitol Hill in, in Seattle. These are experiences we could create uh, through in the neighborhoods throughout Seattle. I mean, we're lucky. Seattle, it has these little nodes. It was a trolley city and these nodes of commerce and living were they coalesced around the nodes of the trolleys so we have the leftover of that era um but you know you just go to cities the other side of lake washington here in seattle the city of bellevue the city of issaquah they've got that potential too right and they are starting to take advantage of that the city of issaquah for mm-hmm. example yeah um what is a delightful city and what the heck does that have to do really in my life with my impact on on climate change can you spell that out a little more i mean we, we we've talked about a few of these things but yeah i mean the the obvious ones that i think everybody should be acknowledging thinking about when they make their own home purchase decisions decide where to live etc the obvious ones are you know how long do i have to spend in my car every day right the the old garden city movement in uh in europe was about this. Uh, unfortunately, it, it ended up going the way of the car for a hundred some odd years uh, now, <laughs> close to that, let's say. Um, but mm-hmm. in a, even in a city designed around trolleys, we have a lot of areas of the city that are, that are still designed around cars, certainly the region, right? We're just now building infrastructure to make it possible to say, live in Bellevue and work in Seattle. Um, some people will choose that rather than commuting. Some people, again, in my dream, when I paint the picture, I want to imagine walking to work, right? Like, I think that it, it, mm-hmm. it ought to be possible. And I think we have to rethink typologies, where we live, what, how we think about land use and zoning. Uh, we'll, we should talk more about that. Um, but, you know, just start with getting out of your car, 
that increases your delight in life. Maybe you love driving, right? But um, still, <laughs> hours in your car each day is not a very viable way to live and stay healthy and really happy. Um, so that that's an obvious one, being close to your resources. And when you do have to get in a car, not have to go far, being able to walk or take transit to work, those are obvious uh, when, when transportation we know is one of the biggest impacts still on climate change, um, we know that if we can make those differences, uh, that's a big move, right? Big win. Yeah. Add to that that it's actually easier to make energy efficient and low water usage buildings when we make them more dense. Um, easy examples are townhomes that have shared walls, right? Heat loss in a in a heating climate, you know, we're predominantly a heating climate here in the Northwest. Uh, heat loss is only out of really out of the walls that touch the outside air, right? So when you share a wall, right. you lose less heat. You need less heater to create that warmth in your space. Um, those, you know, tighter building types are inherently more energy efficient. Um, there are more aspirational and fun things to think about that you can go, uh, my design head <laughs> starts thinking about like, well, gosh, when you have, I mean, look, I'm looking out my back window at a, a collection of six townhomes. Those six townhomes, if they were to share a, a thermal sink, a solar thermal panels that sent heat to an underground tank, they could all heat their water with a shared system, right? Like they could yeah. all... They could use that roof for those six townhomes and they could catch rainwater uh, uh, and put it into the cistern and treat it and use it at least in their toilets and their laundry machines, believe it or not. We, um, I mean, we're getting into where, uh, where regulation or opportunities made by rulemaking uh, set the stage for individual actors to do more innovative and fun things. But just starting with the basics, right? Like living... Uh, more, more close together, in fact, reduces the need for resources, both in transportation and just the the home itself, the idea of home. Um, and it starts to open up possibilities for sharing resources. I mean, I feel like in the sharing economy conversation that, you know, I suppose some of us have been having for years now, that's also obvious uh, or and and there are fun new things developing around that too, like sharing food resources and transportation resources, et cetera. Yeah, agreed. We're we're much more familiar and practiced in in the shared economy in in you know whatever way you you participate in. But for sure, I mean, what you described is one of those like forward looking, exciting. Hey, these are you know, this is like a a group of townhomes that, you know, are either condos or, or, you know, individual for sale units, but they could share, they could still share resources. Um, of course, we typically see it more in like multifamily where we can sort of like straight up, okay, we're all going to use this heat pump system and, uh, and, and other pieces of the building that are, um, you know, already in play and that's you know we can fit a lot of people in those you know we can go up and we can share systems and if we do a good job with our um with our 
air sealing and insulation and glazing and um, envelope, we can make it super efficient. And, you know, that's, you know, that's even more uh, uh, sort of uh, climate progress uh, stamp of approval on it. Uh, but I think, as you're saying, this, this can be applied to so many typologies in different ways. And, and I, I think this is a great, like, uh, just good overview of like, yes, transportation and then building form, shared systems, combined systems. You know, those are the types of things we're talking about when we say this, this is the, the double win of, of climate progress. And, you know, we think sort of the, the personal experience, you, you can hopefully, you know, find one of those typologies that fits your lifestyle and your, you know, interests and, and, you know, create that, help create that great city. Yeah. I mean, as I, in the, as I stand here in the central district of Seattle, looking at my tiny little backyard, uh, which has two raised beds that grow a modest amount of vegetables in them, several fruit trees terraced down the slopes of Seattle. I'm, you know, not very far away from uh, one, two, three, four, five, six new townhomes that are being built over there, six that were built uh, not long ago. Um, that is, those are the boundaries of my proverbial backyard. I mean, my actual backyard, um, this backyard <laughs> space that is, that is serenity and retreat for our family. Um, it's still in a community. And the reason I bring it up is because it's part of what I, uh, am using when I paint my own picture of what cities could be like, because I, we in fact share fruit with those people over there and those people over there. Mm -hmm. And we yeah. gather together for dinners and we see each other on walks and we talk about what's happening in the neighborhood and who needs what, et cetera. This is, this is true community around this little backyard of ours. And when we have too many uh, bolts of, of kale, we share them around and, I get dried plums at the end of the summer and going into winter or it's <laughs> that was made from the distilled plums. And I drink that through Christmas and new year's. This, this is the dream, right? Like uh, the idea from the old that I think is a hangover from the old tenement housing years of New York city and other cities where, you know, it wasn't, safe and healthy to live in those kind of piled up tenement homes where there wasn't access to natural daylight nor little postage stamp backyards to grow vegetables etc people right. were living close together but it wasn't healthy and it wasn't sustainable this density this hundred year old house next to another hundred year old house next to 12 new town homes in a growing, densifying city, this is the density we want. We're trying it out. We're building it out. Um, the rooftop decks where people will have their dinners that see a little bit of downtown, that used to be not allowed. You had to build a little yard on the ground. Building types are changing <laughs> because we're changing the rules and we're making different decisions 
and we're building it out. I'm starting to see the picture painted right in front of me. And I, yeah. you know, I kind of yeah. want people to get excited <laughs> about it, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we've hit on some of these, you know, pieces of like how to, how to make the, the dream a reality. And, you know, I think you're right. We, 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 we have it in, in certain places and we just want more of it. You know, we want, we want more, we want more delight. We want more climate progress. We want more sharing and um, efficiency. Uh, We want more, uh, you know, transport, access to um, public transportation or, or less dependence on, on single occupancy vehicles, you know, sort of, you can start to, I mean, we keep coming around to this theme of, or the, 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 the great part about density in, in, is that it can tie in, you know, all these different pieces. So that we've, so we've hit on a few of these, like, how do we make it, how do we make it real? Um, you know, I think we've, we've got these variety of, of rules to kind of play within and influence, you know, there's certainly like, Hey, what, what's missing? What, what could the county or the city or the state do to help us, you know, achieve some of these goals? Um, what's already in place? I think, you know, you've, you've hit on some things that, you know, Hey, we're, we're able to do some things that we weren't able to do before. Um, so I don't know what, how's that sitting with you now in terms yeah. of like what, what's in place and what, and what's possible? Well, I mean, so I have lived in, in this city, uh, the city of Seattle for 20 odd years. And, uh, we have, we have seen a pretty, um, pretty big evolution of, what is allowed um, at a single building level, single property level. Um, you know, the fact that we're allowed to build uh, a detached backyard cottage, for example, is, is uh, something that's happened in, in my lifetime here in the city. Um, the, the sort of snapshot of where we are right now at the beginning of 2021 is we have been, and this has radically transformed our landscape, we have been living through an era where the city of Seattle, city of Kirkland, several cities around here decided to incentivize uh, more density, allow developers to build more units if they would commit to high levels of green building, super efficient building mm-hmm. built to uh, four and five star built green levels or high lead certification levels or, um, you know, really aspirational uh, goals like living building challenge um, will give you additional units, additional height, etc. And that move to put yards on the roofs of buildings in the land use code increases in height and these incentives in combination have made for the forms I see around me, right? The, these, mm-hmm. these townhomes that are so close by my hundred year old single family home, they would not have been possible to build in the form they're in, nor in the density they're in. um, When I first moved here 20 years ago. Um, So there's a kind of like what's working right in front of me. 
I think, you know, if I, yeah. I've already made the case for this is actually the dream right here, this kind of density. And not my neighbors don't all agree with me, by the way. They still <laughs> might fight or make an argument to the city that they shouldn't allow another group of townhomes to be built. But I'm, I'm, I'm standing on my argument. This is the dream. Let's keep going. I think this is working, right? There are, it's very... Uh, tight-knit community being built and buildings that support that. Uh, you know, would I change a few little things about the rules? Sure. <laughs> but we don't need to get into that nitty-gritty, you know, should a should a solar panel array be allowed to be a, a rooftop deck canopy at both protecting from rainwater but also producing some energy? Absolutely, right? Like my cartoon yes. drawing yes. version of this every roof would have a little solar deck cover. I love it. I love it. We got to, we got to make it happen. Is there, uh, yeah, I don't know any other, this could certainly be a longer conversation, but what, you know, what else is on the, on the Jason Lear wish list in this, in this vein of, of, uh, density, the intersection of density and sustainability. Jared, if I could wave a magic wand, um, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I. First of all, the transit infrastructure that's uh, that took a long time to get going in this region would have been already built. I'll just say that. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, it takes time. It's getting built, and I am excited about that. And I continue to support it. And I and I love that my neighbors and people around me continue to support it, and we all pay for it, right? It's in place. Yes. I'm going to be able to walk to two different light rail stations from my home very soon. One will take me south and north. The other will take me east across Lake Washington. This is a system coming together right in front of us. So, okay, fast forward. That's my first little wish list or magic wand. That's already yes. in Check. place. I can hop on my bike. I can roll my bike Got into it. that train. I can go wherever I want. And, uh, and it's safe and consistent and always on time and healthy. And electrified. Yes, and electrified. Um, we would have the landscape of density that I, uh, that I was starting to describe uh, where these rooftop decks uh, become more delightful than they are even. Um, they become more connected, feel less like isolated things and more like connected things. Um, but I would also maybe just quickly change a few more rules, right? I would not require every property have all these off-street parking spots. I would allow mm -hmm. buildings to be built, more buildings, more building types to be built without the requirement to have car parking spots. Or I would allow really small parking spots for, uh, well, small, just right size, for electric cars. Um, I would make it easy for everybody who already has a curbside to have a little charging bollard or station next to that so they can be compelled to go out and buy their electric car. Because, you know, the cartoon includes all these people driving to the places they can't get to on transit and can't get right. to on their bicycle. Or if they're not ambulatory they can or bike bicyclists, they can go get in their little electric car and they can drive up the road to go skiing for the day in their little electric car that they charged all night. Um, 
Yes. I would, I would incentivize homeowners, uh, sorry, to, I, would, I would, as a city, incentivize single-family homeowners uh, to add additional units to their lots. Um, I would make it easy and compelling to do so. Uh, I would give if I would incentivize individual homeowners to build really sustainable buildings or really sustainable remodels by giving them the permanent transferable right to pass on uh, the ability to build one more unit than was previously allowed on that lot. Right? Allow a single-family home to become a duplex. Right? Just just do a handful of things. Yeah, I love this this one for sure. You know, we we talked about some of those incentives, the density bonuses where it, you know, uh, there are some residential ones, but you know, the, you mentioned the living building challenge um, program where, you know, it's, it's commercial zones and, you know, you can earn an extra uh, floor height of height, uh, extra um, FAR floor area ratio. And, you know, that, that equates to more rental income and more, um, more long-term value. And so that, that's the type of incentive that developers like. And so we get density and we get these great high performance buildings. It's like perfect double win. We need more of that. But I think you're, you're sort of posing the question of like, can we bring some of those themes to uh, residential, to the single family zones where yes, we've made it a little easier to, to do backyard cottages and ADUs, we're getting there, but like, could it, it's still expensive. So, and, you know, and can we make it more, more sustainable? You know, there's pieces of it there, but can we go a little bigger to say, Hey, put this deep green backyard cottage in, we get more, we, we get more housing, we get more density, but like let's also let's also get that uh, resource conservation and and healthy materials element in there and like how do we incent uh, homeowners to do that? Is it- well, and my gosh, at least make it as equally mm, incentivized or possible for uh, a, a multi generational family. Uh, elderly couple that's ready to move on to something smaller, make it possible for that family to build a second unit so that uh, they can stay and their kids can move in. Uh, sorry, it's often possible already, but I'm talking about a real second unit. But you've already got the backyard cottage and you're getting a little retirement income from that. You're able to pay your bills because of that. And, and then allow them to build just one more. Give them the right to do so. If they'll make it really sustainable, this should not be an, a, an incentive type that is only allowed to the developers, to the, to the profit endeavor. This should be allowed for grandmas and grandpas. This should be allowed for families. This should be allowed for, uh, you know, an African-American couple that ha- is the third generation owner of a house in the central district that don't have a lot of means, but maybe have just enough to do something to make this the place that their kids can take over and own. And I bring up, I bring up race because that's a history of the central district. It's a place where, um, you know, people of color, uh, people, uh, 
non-white citizens were allowed to purchase when they weren't allowed to purchase in other parts of the city. And oh my gosh, yep. we at least need to make it possible for people who have managed to stay in this city, who haven't been displaced, if the, uh, to, to do something with the land they own, to do something yeah. that's meaningful, that contributes to the great city, etc. Yeah. There's so much for us to talk about. Yeah, I mean, what you just described is feels like such a great tangible way to address something like gentrification, which is, you know, such a deep and challenging topic. And I find so often, and myself included, like, ah, you know, what, what can we do? You know, there all these market forces, you know, our, our city is growing, construction costs are high, developers are swooping in, but they're all just, they're all just kind of, uh, acting in their economic interests and, you know, building what the rules say they can build. And, you know, but it's, it's the collective force that then all of a sudden you look around and it's like, well, yeah, these, these longer term players, uh, don't have a place to, you know, they get pushed out. And so, you know, I think people, uh, everyday folks and folks in our industry and policymakers are looking, I would hope for these more tangible ways to address gentrification to say like, what, what tools do we have to, you know, within market, within the market still give, uh, give access and give longevity. And, and I think that's, that's a great example of it. Yeah. I mean, my neighbors are right in that we cannot plaster the landscape with just one type of building, even if it is more dense, even if it is what is currently incentivized, there has to be a diverse set of housing types, building types, solutions for living in a city together that benefits more people, not fewer. And it's through that diversity of, of city um, fabric and the people in that city fabric that we will achieve that really great city that we're picturing. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think we've hinted at this throughout, but, but I love this, uh, the idea of the, the variability that can be achieved with some of these just ideas, but also policies where it's like, well, not every um, parcel in a block is going to take advantage of the living building challenge program. Not every, you know, there's going to be a piece over here that a, a townhome builder um, takes on. And then over here is a longstanding single family home that can, you know, have a backyard cottage. And you start to see this like variable height, variable shape. And like, that's what makes things more interesting to walk past to live in and so it, it it's one of those like you 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 can't just spell it out you know you have to you have to create this like uh it is a mishmash of of policies and and practices but you know i think the hope is you get this rich uh, diversity of people places forms architecture that starts to come together become an ecosystem 
be yeah. teeming yeah. with life, be that place that you can't help but live right. uh, your whole life and want to pass on to your kids or the next part of the growing community. I feel like that is a is a pretty good place to land. Uh, I mean, that said, a lot of work to do. I think, you know, uh, continued conversation here on ways that we can, ways that we can get to that dream. Obviously everybody has a little bit of a different dream, but I think we, we can, we can continue to, um, to throw down ideas and, and try to stitch them together. Let's do it. Coming up next episode of Building Better, we're going to dig deeper into some of these tools, rules, permitting, typologies, practices that we can, you know, hopefully increase density, increase um, climate progress. Tune in and we'll, we'll continue the dialogue. Sounds great. I can't wait. Oh, yeah, you'll be there. <laughs> Jason, Jason will be back for more Building Better Action. Mm-hmm.